Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, NetWorld, and thank you for tuning in. We're continuing in our series titled, The Family Bible Revolution, an end-time message for His Generational Blessing. We left off yesterday talking about the fourth essential for the Family Bible Revolution being generational. Let's review all five essentials. First, there's family worship, being the focus of God's Word being presented and discussed in the household on a regular basis. Second, authority establishes the responsibility and brings respect and honor. Appointed and anointed speaks of calling, gifting, and the God-given ability to fulfill that call. Generational speaks of the strength and energy of the young and the wisdom and the fortitude of the old together. And finally, church worship speaks of the importance of the Sabbath and our gathering unto him in the beauty of holiness. Continuing to speak on the essential of generational, We ended yesterday talking about how our society is extremely age-segregated. We said through secular philosophies and big government, over many years we have slowly developed into a completely divided family where every age has its own culture. Children no longer relate to their parents or their older siblings. Grandparents are practically put out to pasture as useless, and teenagers have little to no relationship with their parents, their younger siblings, or their grandparents. And we ask the question, how has this happened? Through government public schools, any education of children by their parents has been completely replaced. Within the schools, every age has been separated. Through economical inflation, mothers have been taken away from the ability to stay home and be moms. Through children's ministries and youth ministries, we have relegated the responsibility away from mom and dad and replaced it with untrained and unanointed babysitters. We have not invested in the parents at any level. We have simply removed their children, divided all of them into age-segregated classes, and instead of helping parents, we've removed them from any responsibility at all. We've even created laws giving young girls private rights for sex information, contraceptives, and even abortion without parental consent. We have created environments for 13-year-olds to mentor 13-year-olds, and in addition, we've given the responsibility to hirelings who have no legal ability to discipline according to the Word of God. We have ended up with a society where sibling rivalry is rampant. Youth are rebellious to all authority. Parents, especially the father, have no control of the household. Divorce is rampant. Single mothers, teen pregnancy, abortion, teen drugs, teen alcohol, pornography, homosexuality, sex outside of marriage, same-sex marriage, and so on, are now the norm. The institution of the father in all media has been reduced to an idiot 
the institution of a mother has lost all respect, and the institution of family has become a confused mess. We need to change what we're doing and restore the institutions of marriage between a man and a woman, fatherhood, parenthood, and family as God designed it. I believe this can be done. It's not difficult. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember the six steps? It's really, really very easy. This could change the world. I call it the family Bible revolution. It's family worship. One, open the Bible. Two, read it to your family. Three, discuss it for how it should change your thinking and living. Four, pray for one another, the saints and the lost. Five, do it at the beginning and the end of the day. Six, now you're trained, go do it. This should be done by the father or the master of the house, depending on who's responsible. Proverbs chapter 2 gives a message from a father to a son. Verse 1 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. And then we see in verse 9, it says, Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. We have been divided into age-segregated lifestyles. There is no mentoring or discipleship. Public education is teaching the theory of evolution as truth. They have taken prayer out of its institution. They have removed religion. They are teaching that there's no such thing as a boy or girl. That's happening in Fairfax County, not far from where I live. They want to let the children to decide what they are. They are teaching abortion as an acceptable alternate to repentance and faith, and that the girls do not even have to let their parents know. How is this all happening? Well, the answer is the children have been taken away. Although the church has tried very hard to keep faith and obedience to God's word in our families, have we trained up children's workers, hirelings, when we should have trained the parents? Has the church, in its attempt to do the right thing, put the father aside and told him he's not necessary? Have we relieved him of his duty? Scott Brown says in his book, A Weed in the Church, quote, Because the church has embraced this age-segregated philosophy, we have created groups for everyone, but community for no one, meetings for all, but discipleship for few. Age segregation has replaced the older mentoring the younger. Church programs have displaced family discipleship. And another quote from his book is, Society is in chaos when God-ordained jurisdictions are confused, such as when the state governs education as the American government does, or the family wields the sword as vigilantes do, or the church usurps fatherhood as many evangelical churches do. Scott Brown, in his book, A Weed in the Church, quotes J.L. Packer as saying, quote, J.L. Packer puts his finger on the issue of methods and patterns when he declares, generations should be mixed up in the church for the glory of God. In an interview, Packer was asked the question, what do you think about a niche marketing approach that has by virtue of the different worship styles, teen pop, alternative, an adult boomer, created generational segregation. He replied, We have segregated the ages very much to the loss of each age. In the New Testament, the Christian church is an all-age community, and in real life, the experience of the family to look no further should convince us that the interaction of the ages is enriching. The principle is that generations should be mixed up in the church for the glory of God. 
That doesn't mean we shouldn't disciple groups of people of the same age or the same sex separately from time to time. That's a good thing to do, but for the most part, the right thing is the mixed community in which everybody is making the effort to understand and empathize with all the other people in the other age groups. Make the effort is the key phrase here. Older people tend not to make the effort to understand younger people, and younger people are actually encouraged not to make the effort to understand older people. Here's a good question. What is family integrated and why? Well, the word integrated means to make into a whole by bringing all the parts together or to unify. Why do we meet together as family in our church services? Why don't we offer a nursery, a children's ministry, or youth ministry? Although there is no mention of any such ministries in the Jewish temple or the early Christian church, are we wrong by providing children's and youth ministries? Due to how our society has developed over the hundreds and thousands of years, the church has adapted to meet the challenges families face, such as unwed pregnancies, divorce, mothers having to work in addition to the father just to make ends meet, and so on. But who are we following? Our now liberal atheistic government? Are we leading the ball or just chasing it? Secularism has entered our society so strongly that it has affected our educational system by removing prayer, teaching evolution, adopting liberal sex education, legalizing abortion, removing freedom of religion, and now legalizing same-sex marriage. Who developed our educational system? Well, let's look at some history. In 428 to 347 B.C., Plato is quoted by Scott Brown in his book, A Weed in the Church, says this, All those in the city who happen to be older than ten, they will send out to the country, and taking over the children, they will rear them far away from those dispositions they now have from their parents in their own manners and laws that are such as we described before. And with the city and the regime of which we were speaking, thus established most quickly and easily, it will itself be happy and most profit in the nation which it comes to be. Plato wanted to remove the children so far from the parents that they wanted to take them out of the city and into the country. Scott Brown also quoted Plato as saying, All these women are to belong to all these men in common, and no woman is to live privately with any man. And the children in their turn will be in common, and neither will a parent know his own offspring, nor a child his parent. Oh my goodness gracious, that is a serious quote. John Dewey is an original founder of our current educational system. And here's a bit of information concerning Dewey and progressive education. It says, the leading educational theorist of the era was John Dewey, from 1859 to 1952, a professor at the University of Chicago from 1894 to 1904, and from 1904 to 1930 at Teachers College of Columbia University in New York City. Dewey was a leading proponent of progressive education and wrote many books and articles to promote the central role of democracy in education. He saw schools not only as a place to gain content knowledge, but also as a place to learn how to live. The purpose of education was not so much the acquisition of a predetermined set of skills, but rather the realization of the student's full potential and the ability to use those skills for the greater good. Dewey noted that, quote, to prepare him for the future life means to give him command of himself 
It means to so train him that he will have the full and ready use of all his capacities. And Dewey insisted that education and schooling are instrumental in creating social change and reform. He notes that education is a regulation of the process of coming to share in the social consciousness and that the adjustment of individual activity on the basis of this social consciousness is the only sure method of social reconstruction. Although Dewey's ideas were very widely discussed, they were implemented chiefly in small experimental schools attached to colleges of education. Dewey and the other progressive theorists encountered a highly bureaucratic system of school administration typically not receptive to new methods. Was John Dewey right? Yes, he was. We have certainly had social change, social reform, and reconstruction. Although this reconstruction is turning out to be destruction, John Dewey was an atheist and a signer of the Humanist Manifesto. We'll have to continue this tomorrow, so I look forward to being with you in my next netcast, Mark your calendar, set your clock, and tune in as we continue in establishing the Family Bible Revolution, an end-time message for His generational blessing. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is The Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's The Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.